Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're asking if 31 hours straight is way too much Marvel, what life was like as a Toys R Us kid, and will Tomb Raider break the video game movie curse? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Yes, we are back once again. It's the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly want to thank you for tuning in and listening into the show, and we just cannot thank you enough for doing so. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man amid the legend behind Humanica Media. You got to check out all the great stuff going on today at humanicamedia.com that he's got cooking. It is the chef himself. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? I was trying to think of a Gordon Ramsay joke, but I just I didn't have time. You, this uh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I know. I got to make you think, man, because I don't. You know, I used to like on every episode set you up like it's the head chef of Humanica Media. It's the big man on campus at Humanica Media. You know, just trying to do something there. I try to throw that fireball. I don't. I don't prep him either on this when I do it. I need to just write some things down so I have like stock stock responses. There you go. There you go. But it's going to be a great episode we have for everyone out there today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to share his thoughts on the latest Fantastic Beast movie that is coming out later this year. We're going to share thoughts on... Or is it Fantastic Beats story about magic vegetables? Well, it could be the way it's setting itself up like. But we are going to talk about the brand new trailer that just dropped in the Cosmic Crossfire, and and Rob's going to share his thoughts on it, and and I will as well. Also, later on in the program, Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide and TVRatingsGuide.com. She's going to be talking more great TV ratings news about some of the shows that she's really following in the TV scene, and that's going to be coming up later in the program. Plus, we'll be talking about the Marvel Marathon that's coming out just before the Infinity War hits, and also as well, our Toys R Us memories, obviously due to the closing of the Toys R Us stores that was announced and the liquidation that's now taking place because of it. So sad times for Toys R Us, and we'll be going into that a little bit more in detail later on the show. But first, Josh, it is here, the 
next three weeks, I, I'm I'm going to say like this. I think we've got these are not triple A blockbusters, but they're like double A blockbusters as far as in that next tier of movies that you know have some expectations on them, but they're not super huge like they are for Black Panther, which obviously even exceeded those because it's done so well at the box office. But the first of those three movies coming out in successive weeks is Tomb Raider. Once again, the video game adaptation, which actually resembles more like the modern video game reboot of the series that came out, I think it was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. But your thoughts on it, I'm going to tell you right now, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a right around the 50% mark. So the reviews are extremely mixed on the actual movie itself. But what are your hopes and what are your prospects you think as far as the movie finding some kind of success and maybe even ever so slightly possibly breaking that video game movie curse? Well, here's the thing with that. It's like when we were talking about Assassin's Creed Critics go into these video game adaptation films wanting to hate them because if they hate them and they write about it, people will read it. So that's just, you know, that's the way the new cycle works. So, um, you know, you were one of the few that actually did enjoy and you wrote about how you enjoyed the Assassin's Creed movie, even though it was universally panned by so many others. That's kind of what irks me is that. People, because of the stigma that video game to film adaptations have, people go in. They want them to be bad. There's no, ob- there, I mean, when it comes to like judging these films, there's no objectivity. Granted, I haven't seen the movie yet, but, um, you know, the reviews that I have read, at least from the sources that are more like nerd sources, you know, like, uh, you know, IO9 and Gizmodo and Kotaku, Polygon, et cetera, et cetera, sources actually play games. You know, they, they thought that it was okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're mixed about it. Is weird. They said that they liked it, but they didn't like it. It's a good movie, but it wasn't a good movie. So they're they're like fifty fifty on it. Whereas you know, regular critics are just bashing it. But uh, you know, everyone seems to be in agreement that Alicia Vikander is like really good in the role. So I'm you know I'm just hoping that it's it captures some essence of the game and it's not completely over the top like the original Tomb Raiders were. But you know, the source material is so great, especially with these reboots like you know, from the, the Xbox One games, the, the source material is so good. It's hard to, to screw something up like that. And I think that people, this is held to such a high standard, not just because of the video game movie, but because people are expecting some type of like Indiana Jones shenanigans or something. It's just, it's not that. I think that this movie's going to be good to a very niche of people. And I hope that that's enough to uh, make it successful. I will say this, that it is to me from all appearances because of the actual upfront review scores and and kind of lack of buzz that I hear about it, especially with two, again, solid movies coming out. Although Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One could be something that breaks out as a hit of the three movies, I think that would probably be the you know the biggest money I'd have on either of them. Maybe Pacific Rim Uprising after that. But of the three, yes, Tomb Raider looks like the one that's going to perform the least because of the timing, placing where it's at, and the fact that within three weeks, it might just be forgotten about, especially because Black Panther still has great legs as far as a movie is concerned. And that makes me sad. That really does. Well, I mean, I'm going to go see it this weekend, so we can, you know, we'll uh, reconvene for the Monday show to see 
where I'm currently standing with that. But no, it's that that makes me sad. It does because we're getting a movie release that looks exciting that ventures outside of Marvel Disney franchise based, I guess. And it's like it's it's not an original concept, but it's sort of it's it's something different. And that's what I want to see. Like that's I want to see that be successful so we get more more things like that. So I I mean I got to see the movie before I could really like lay into it like that, but you know, I'm still hoping that it's good and if I go in there and like it, then I'm going to have some good things to say about it when we talk next. I think it probably will still garner. It's estimating that it's going to probably get around maybe 25 million dollars in its first weekend, maybe a little more. I hope it does that. I think it probably will. From my estimation, it it looks like it's going to make in that realm. So at least it'll have a decent first week. But whether or not it sustains any kind of rhythm, I truly don't think it will because of the fact, like I said, with Black Panther still doing well at the box office, plus you have two other movies that could do well in its own right that are right after it. People are going to forget about Tomb Raider coming out within a short period of time. And that's going to be, like you said, that's very sad for the movie itself. Yeah. And it's not just the fact that my earlier statement that it's, it's somewhat original, but it's sad because, you know, if this is the trend, if we have movies like black Panther, Avengers, infinity war, star Wars, like one of those coming out, one or two of those movies coming out every quarter, there really is no hope for anything else to do well in the box office. Because, you know, like you said, with Black Panther still doing so well, nobody's going to want to go see any of these other movies. They will go see them, but they're not going to reach the potential they have for earning. Like that's going to be tough for any other movie that wants to compete with that. Because like you said, with Black Panther, it's still doing so well. So, you know, we come up here, uh, Avengers Infinity War, Star Wars, there's always going to be something like that coming out endorphing these other movies that have the potential to do good. And it's also raising the standard on what action movies are supposed to be, which is sad because you know, these lower tier action movies like Tomb Raider, you know, they're not going to read the audience and the uh, explosion quota that, you know, like a Marvel or Star Wars film is going to have. So it's just the bigger Disney gets, the more diminished the rest of the industry becomes. I couldn't agree with you more. If this movie has any hope of actually achieving any kind of success financially, it's going to have to get it back within the home video and Blu-ray market. And then it really has to be pushed, I think, probably right around the time that the actual next iteration in the series, as far as the video game is concerned, comes out in September. Now, speaking of Tomb Raider, you and I both saw the, the teaser for Shadow of the Tomb Raider and the announcement that a full trailer will be coming out over a month away. What were your thoughts when you saw that? It was, okay, that's a fine that the game is not coming out till September, but to have the actual trailer not come out for additional six weeks after this teaser, was that really smart in planning as far as any type of uh, you know the marketing at all, as far as having to make, make people wait just another six weeks for even a trailer to drop? Okay, so... He- my thoughts on that, I've been thinking about this a lot today. I think that they dropped this tra- this teaser to ca- counteract any negative feedback that might be associated with the movie. Well, I, I know it was the movie related. I, don't get me wrong. I agree with you on that. We all knew the game was coming out. They, they haven't, haven't really been like very secretive about what the game's called or what the game's going to entail. We know that it's the 
the last part of the origin story of Laura Croft. Do we need a teaser for it right now? No, but um, you know, is it good to have like a, a solid like release window for the game? Yeah, I think so. What what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'll just say this. We've talked about this before in the past when it comes to Square Enix. They have some very unrealistic expectations for Hitman and also as well Tomb Raider. They have these unreal expectations to hit on such a high level. And when it hits at a very good level, that's not good enough. So don't get me started on that because it really just irritates me to no end that if it's not a Final Fantasy for them, that they just have these very unrealistic expectations. This may not be the best of times for Tomb Raider because if it's being done by someone other than Crystal Dynamics, that's not always the greatest sign when another studio gets a hold of a, a IP. You and I both have seen it where track records like that haven't worked out always to the greatest of fruition. And then this movie, Tomb Raider, that hits this weekend, the signs early on show that it's going to have a rough time for the next few weeks for this version of Lara Croft. What are your thoughts on the Tomb Raider movie? Are you excited to see it? Are you glad to see it come out? Have you been maybe just a little bit apprehensive about going because of the advanced reviews and the advanced buzz or lack thereof? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we're going to have a great episode. We've got Rob McCallum, Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide. Both of them are coming up later in the show, plus Josh and I are going to be talking 31 hours of Marvel. Could we take it? We're going to answer that question and a whole lot more, plus we're going to eulogize Toys R Us as well. But first, we've got Josh's good friend, Chad. It's Hyperschmidt, and this is a cover of When in Rome's The Promise. This is the PCC Multiverse. Sometimes 
Listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. On March 30th, get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McGallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Kitty Origins Evolutions drops March 30th, 2018. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's great to have everyone back on the show with the PCC Multiverse. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind RobMcCallumFilms.com. You got to check out all the great things going on in the world of Rob McCallum. Because I've got him right here. It is Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? Oh, I'm just trying to get you some top secret stuff so that you can uh, take a look at things, uh, a lot of the projects we talk about ahead of time so that we can promote it. So that's what I'm doing at this very moment here, live on the Pop Culture Cosmos. In three, two, one, you have my full attention now. But it's awesome to have you here, my friend, and and truly great to to have you a part of the show as always. And I just got to tell everyone out there, if you get a chance, you got to check out all of his great stuff on RobMcCallumFilms.com, including the news and updates on the upcoming Kitty documentary, which is being released, I believe, on the 30th, if I'm not mistaken. March 30th. And also, as well, you've got your coordination and work with the Power of Grayskull. Uh, and then also, as well, you've got a lot of other great things coming up, a lot of other diverse projects, which super secret. 
but still, I'll, I'll let you announce them as they come out. It's just so great to have you part of the show, my friend. But tell you what, there's a lot of stuff going on in the realm of pop culture. So pray tell, Rob, what's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture? A new trailer dropped the other day. It's for Fantastic Beast Crimes of Grindelwald. I think that's how you say the name. Yes. And I got to tell you, this is the worst trailer I have seen in a very long time. Now, <laughs> I am sure I am going to be in the minority because there are Harry Potter fanatics out there that are just itching to have more of this universe. They just want to they just want to relive those Harry Potter moments from when they were growing up or from, you know, 10 or so years ago. I but have two at home. And and you know what, but I think your your daughters of the right age that when Harry Potter was coming out, they probably weren't going to see the first few in the theater. They caught no. them on the home video run. So now like this is their theatrical kind of trilogy that they're starting to see. Yeah. But they got that from their mom who's a big time Harry Potter fan. Well, I'd be really curious to see uh what the what the ladies in uh your life think about the Fantastic Beasts story so far. The first film, I fell asleep in in the theater, which rarely happens, let alone in a film as loud and as uh, dosed as special effects. That's not saying I don't like it. I've tried to watch it since. just hasn't held my attention the way that the Harry Potter films did specifically. But this trailer is so paint-by-numbers and so bland. And for a, a film that is called Fantastic Beasts, where are the Fantastic Beasts? There's almost nothing. And the synopsis that, that's been given for this uh, is a magi zoologist Newt uh, Scamamander, or however you say a salamander name, joins forces with young Albus Dumbledore to prevent the devious Gellert Grindelwald from raising pure blood wizards to rule over all non-magical beings. Now, it sounds exactly like the Harry Potter stuff, so it doesn't feel fresh at all. It feels pretty lame. It feels like we're going to get these wizards to stop everybody else from existing. And uh, I, I read <laughs> I read a synopsis on, on a fan site, and it was the most cliched thing that I that I ever read. It's like lines will be drawn, heroes must pick sides, loves will break, and like it's all the cliches that you can come across. And I was just thinking, like, what is the point of this of this trilogy? Is it just to fill the pockets of Warner Brothers at this point? Because even though it's written by J.K. Rowling, you know the the only person of real authority in the in the Potterverse, if that's the term that's being used now, I think it is then I just don't see anything new coming from this. And the, the well, what did you think of the trailer? I mean, I, I was left, I don't know, wanting something different than what we saw. Well, I agree with you on the fact that it, when you have a Fantastic Beasts movie coming out and there's no Fantastic Beasts really in it, it's kind of a shame. I know it wanted to try and delve into a little bit more about the relationship between Jude Law's character, Dumbledore, and a little bit about uh, Johnny Depp's Grindelwald. It's actually being changed a little bit from what the books say, because from what I've told and what I've read, that there's a different kind of relationship between those two than what most likely will appear on screen. It's going to be more adversarial, so to speak. It was just a trailer. And, you know, Rob, you know, when it comes down to you, I want to ask you this before I move on with the answer a little bit more in depth. But if you're doing your next feature film, can you please not, when you're cutting the trailer, the first scene be be a cityscape or some type of... You know, I I honestly thought this exact same thing when I saw the trailer. I'm like, here's the obligatory drone shot through the mountaintops or over over the the city to see exactly what it's like and 
I don't know if and I was thinking because I'm cutting box art trailer right now, as I mentioned before we uh, jumped on the air. And I'm like, do I need like some sort of cityscape shot for three seconds just to let people realize they're watching a trailer before I jump into it? I literally thought about that. It's just so irritating. Here's, again, paint by numbers. Here's like, here's the world that you forgot that we returned to, but it looks like every other trailer because it's this magnificent drone shot. In a world. The voiceover dude, I think uh, he's passed away or he doesn't do it anymore. So you can't. Well, it's just a different. It's just a different era of trailers. Now they don't even have voiceover trailers. Yeah, but it's just, it's just so it's just so cliche. Paint by numbers, obligatory, whatever you, phrase you want to use. As far as uh, those, like you said, those drone shots or helicopter shots or whatever that they utilize. And you know what? I'll tell you what. Actually, let's do the opposite. If you ever next time you're able to do a feature film, you know what? The first trailer should all be just those drone shots. Forget about that, you know showing anything about the movie itself. Just just all those drone shots. Just, just I can do, do that. that. Two minutes of that. But <laughs> anyways, getting back to it, it did not enthrall me. The Harry Potter series, I, I've actually seen all the films at one time or another, but the, it's never really gotten a hold of me. Uh, I've seen them because, you know, my wife's a big, you know, big fan and my daughter's now becoming a, a big fans of it as well. They're going through the books as we speak. The Fantastic Beasts movie, to me, or first one, was actually better than any of the Harry Potter films I've actually watched. Oh, interesting. So I enjoyed it more, maybe because it you know takes place before that that whole Harry Potter series is concerned. But I, I don't know. It just like I said, the, the trailer itself it's you know underwhelmed and and you know from your point of view and a lot of others in regards to the solo trailer, you can't have a tra- initial trailer an initial look that's that's that underwhelming. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't like the fact that it takes place be- before all the Harry Potter stuff, mainly because as the audience only knows what's taken place in the Harry Potter verse, so why not set this after that? There's nothing I've seen in this other than what they're trying to do now with Dumbledore, which is just trying to tap into that existing Harry Potter fan base that can't be done after the fact. Why can't I, I still think they're going to go back to? I, I still think they're going to go back to an adult Harry Potter as far as in the movies. As yeah, far maybe. As I mean, I like the Harry Potter stuff until they got into like this: these wizards versus those wizards. Like once it became basically us versus them, and less about the the magic and mystery of you know wizards in in in, a, in the world that we live in, and here's the different things that they're up against in each of the chapters. Like I really liked the first, I think, four or five films, and then. Then it went downhill for me. And so when Fantastic Beasts came out, I thought, okay, this is cool because this is like, there's this guy who's basically trying to document all these different things. So all these films can basically be about different hunts that's going on and how that's affecting the wizarding world as a whole. But they've already kind of scrapped that, you know, one film into it. So we'll see how that goes. Well, for me, the, like I said, I've seen them all, but they just, to me, they just bleed. One bleeds into another and they just seem to like run into, it just does not flow very well for me as far as a whole series is concerned. And I apologize to all Harry Potter fans for that, but it, it you've had it out for Harry Potter since you, you've declared you don't like butterbeer. Oh, that, that's true. But, you know, just take a look at my Facebook profile to see that. But I will say this that it would be a great idea if they did go back to Harry Potter as at an older age. I might actually get into it because the last, obviously, few scenes of the last Harry Potter movie involved all of them as adults sending their kids away to become wizards themselves. And it would just be great to see him revisit that. Okay, I'm bringing that wand out of the 
dust and, and cobwebs and try and fight off whatever evil spirit is coming at this time around. But to see beforehand the Fantastic Beasts, like you said, it's just a cash grab for Warner Brothers at this point. They're just trying to go ahead and try and lengthen it all. Just like the Lord of the Rings, my prized, uh, beloved trilogy of films lengthened it with The Hobbit. And did they need to? No, they didn't need to. But it is again, and it something that we wanted to be lengthened out just for monetary purposes. Did it help enhance the Lord of the Rings uh, whole thing as far as is concerned? No. And I'm sure they're going to go back to the Lord of the Rings universe at some point in time and try and see if they can squeeze out a little bit more of Tolkien's story that. It, whether it's you know the Tolkien family given permission or what have you, will it be necessary? No, I personally would have liked them to have stayed at the first three movies, but you know it's all about the almighty dollar, man. The almighty dollar. Yeah, something like that. That'll do it for another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire on the Pop Culture Cosmos. That's right, indeed, and it's been great to have you here, Rob. But if you have any questions for Rob or us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos or Rob McCallum Films, just let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films at Facebook or Rob McZob on Twitter. But also, before we head on out, Rob any last stuff you want to go ahead and throw in as far as what you're working on and what's coming up from Rob McCallum Films? Well, you know, as always, we're really pushing the crowdfunding stuff. We capped off season one of Bacter Busted with the info session that we did. So check that out at facebook.com slash Busted crowdfunding. We'll get back to breaking down the campaign shortly. Uh, expect a new trailer for Box Art, a gaming docuseries that looks at the cover illustrators and the world of package design for video games really soon kitty origins evolutions releases march 30th go to robmccallumfilms.com and order your copy today and of course if you've been paying attention to facebook you've seen a few little teaser shots out there some ongoing filming stuff that's been happening yours truly and mr jay bartlett and we hope that we can release something and start talking about it soon yeah soon hashtag coming soon Hashtag hope it gets out there. Yes. Well, let's hope so for uh, all of our sakes and and that another great project from Rob McCallum and his best friend, Jay Bartlett, will soon be on its way. So, Rob, as always, it's just great having you on and so glad, again, to have you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, it's Rob McCallum and I'm back with a new series that centers on the world of crowdfunding. I call it Backed or Busted. It's real simple. Every week I take a Shark Tank-like look at live campaigns on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and determine if they should be backed or if they're busted. If they should be backed, then I invest in the project, plunk down real money, and become a backer. If the project doesn't cut it, then it gets no love from me and I label it Busted for the entire world to see. In addition, you'll discover amazing new projects, inventive products, creative endeavors, and you'll see what works and what doesn't work in the multi-billion dollar crowdfunding industry that makes turning your dream project into a reality more than possible. So check out Backed or Busted episodes at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. And if you want me to help your campaign become truly awesome, send me a message. That's backed or busted at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. 
We're back, and it's more of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly want to thank you for sticking around and, and being part of the program. Before we get to our rest in peace for Toys R Us, just want to let you know, if for some reason you can't check out the show on the format you're listening to now for regular updates or our show when it drops on Monday or Friday, no problem. We are on each and every day of the week. We're being streamed somewhere by one of these great stations, Airwave Radio in the UK, Good Talk Radio out of Arizona, the Podcast Radio Network, our original home, Croc Radio, Gray Cloud Radio, the Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting Network, or IPM Nation on their IPM Nation One channel. For the days, times, and complete listings, you just want to check out our Facebook site, Pop Culture Cosmos, and it has it right there for you. Plus, also as well, our shows are available to download at any point in time. We've got new episodes hitting every Monday and Friday. But if you just want to go ahead and download at your convenience, subscribe to the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on any one of these networks, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podchaser, Podbean, Anchor, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gun Geek Network as well. And it, well, actually, there's so many of them. We at least know of 20 different podcast networks that we're on that you can download the show at any point in time. Josh right here not only works with the Pop Culture Cosmos, but he also has a great experience of his own called Humanic Media. So, Josh, you got to give me an update on what's going on with everything at Humanic Media. Okay, literally like three minutes ago, a new episode of the Super BS Games cast dropped, so you can check that out now. Talking about the Nintendo Direct and some of the great things coming out in the gaming industry. Also, there's going to be a new episode of What About This on Monday. And then uh, we did drop a new topic apocalypse yesterday where we're talking about rejections and the most awkward things that we've done to impress women. So I would definitely recommend checking that out because it is awkward and uh, good to listen to. So, uh, yeah. You, also you will not have me part of that episode. Let's put it that way, because I will probably wreck the show. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, we knew not to ask Gerald because we didn't want to, uh, we didn't have that much time to podcast. <laughs> true. This is true. I can tell you some stories, young man. <laughs> but yeah, so you also check us out on the podcast radio network every Tuesday nights. It is the attack of the humanicans at 7 PM Eastern 4 PM Pacific on the podcast radio network, or all of his great shows are available on the Humanica Media Networks on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and also YouTube as well. So Josh, I heard the troubling news, but it's not something that was unexpected because they were really in a do-or-die format come this past holiday. And unfortunately, it looks like it was a die holiday because Toys R Us it was announced, is closing and liquidating all of its supplies and closing its roughly 800 stores in the United States, plus also as well in the Europe, UK, Great Britain area as well. They're, they're closing all those stores as well. So pretty much as an entity, Toys R Us will probably be a name and name only. My friend, I, I could tell you as uh, someone who has experienced Toys R Us for pretty much almost 50 years of his life closing in on it per se. It, it was something that was always special to me every time I went in, whether or not I was searching for a toy for a gift or whatnot, or even back in the memories when I used to go and get stuff there. 
which I'll probably elaborate on here in a little bit. But first, I want to hit, hit you, my friend, up with this. What are your thoughts about Toys R Us being another great catastrophe in the modernization of retail is concerned? Do you have any memories yourself of Toys R Us and what it meant to you as a Toys R Us kid? I've been reading about this all day. I was actually just at Toys R Us yesterday because I was hoping that, you know, I was hoping the rumors weren't true, but on the off chance they were, and they happened to have a bunch of stuff for like 40% off, I was totally down to go buy some video games and some collector uh, action figures for my collection. No, man, it's sad. Because like, I, as a kid, I remember like KB Toys, like KB Toys and Walden Books and stores like that. Those were always like my favorite places to go into. Like, you know, I'd go to KB Toys to pick up a new Transformer, a Nintendo 64 game, or, um, you know, even farther back, Sega Genesis, Dragon Ball Z toys, stuff like that. And then I'd go into Walden Books, pick up Animorphs or Goosebumps or, you know, whatever I happen to be reading in the third grade. And then these stores just disappear, man, one after another. And like all the the things that made the mall so great when you're a kid just vanished. And then Toys R Us was like the, it was the outlier, you know, is that you'd have to often have to go outside the mall to, to get to one. But, you know, once you were there, like this was everything, like this was everything a kid could ever want was in this store. And yeah, I get like, a lot of people are saying like the reason they're doing so bad or they were doing so bad is because, you know, they're trying to give a, a target experience, but they didn't have the staff and they didn't have, it's kind of like being alone in a warehouse full of toys. But that was awesome to me. You could go in there, you could play with things, you could pick it up, you can like see what size it is. Because, you know, you have action figures now, stuff from like Warner Brothers, especially like their Star Wars, uh, Justice League, the toys come, the action figures come in like, you know, 12 different sizes. So you don't know which one you want, which one you're collecting. And then everyone's like, you can go on Amazon now and get this stuff. But like I said, you don't know what size it is. You don't know like if this is part of the collection you have or what what's going on with this, where it's to- you go into Toys R Us you could play with all this stuff and you could browse and you could find stuff that maybe you didn't know you were interested in. And I'm going to miss it, man. And like, you know, every, every, during the holidays, they had that, you know, buy one, get one 40% off deal for video games. And like, even when I went in there to buy stuff for my nephew, like I, I would spend at least $20 on myself. And, you know, that's like, anytime I had an excuse to go into Toys R Us, I would take that excuse and go into Toys R Us. So yeah, it's, it's sad, man. And like, I hope that, you know, maybe they'll leave a few stores open, like maybe in, in highly populated areas. That way, that might be a good, like, keep it as like a novelty so people still want to go into these places. But it bums me out, man. It really does. It bums me out, too. Uh, even during the holiday season, my family and I, when we went shopping at Toys R Us, actually got wind of a great sale on board games. And we were able to pick up some cool board games while we were there because they were at at very, very reasonable prices. And to see the company fall, it was just a matter of time, it seemingly, because when it came to the Toys of Life, you know, they dedicated so much space in the store to the Toys to Life series, whether it be Skylanders, Infinity, Lego Dimensions, and, and whatnot, and to see those those shelves less than two years later becomes shelves full of clearance products. That just told me the sign that that people don't like to go and actually, for the most part, go into these stores and actually shop and do the things that you said you like to do. And the things that I like to do when I was a kid, and I used to think it was so awesome driving up to a Toys R Us with a big old 
Jeffrey Giraffe, you know, looking over you and, and already going in there and just having such a good time. Cause I, you, know, you go there and you spend 40, $50 or whatnot, but you, you play and you handle and you toss around and you, you start throwing around and you start playing with and you start using, utilizing and you start using about maybe about a hundred, two hundred dollars worth of stuff while, while you're there. You know, you just, just gotta feel everything out that you're like, Oh, that's cool. I think I'll just play with this for a while. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, I could still toss around. Oh, here's a football. I'll throw that over there. Oh, here's a ball. Yeah. Hey, hey, down there. But, and then of course the video game is always behind the cabinet and you had to take the little tag and, and I will miss that because they, they're pretty much the last to really utilize that service. There's not really any other type that I remember service merchandise and a couple others utilized that in the eighties to give you an idea when that really started becoming popular. So it's just a disappointment to me that it, that it met its maker and that it really didn't find its way and find its niche in a modern format or a modern time that it actually got bowled over by the Walmarts, the Targets, and most importantly, the Amazons of the world, and that they weren't able to adapt to a modern format like like so many other retailers are following the same path. Kmart, Sears, they're all dying. JCPenney is, is also dying a quick death, and so many others are going to be following suit as Toys R Us and I guess our fascination now as consumers that we just want to go ahead with ease of use and just do a couple clicks on our computer screen rather than just going down and experiencing and actually interacting with some of these toys and and things of that nature and pretend for even just a moment like we're a Toys R Us kid one last time. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. There's a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. (laughs) Goodbye, Toys R Us. Rest in peace. You're making me cry. I know, I know, but the show must go on. So, what are your thoughts on the death of Toys R Us and pretty much the dying entity known as retail? Are you sad about it? Is this, you know, do you have some special memories of Toys R Us? Does Toys R Us represent something to you as far as your childhood is concerned? Or do you see it as something that, hey, it's something that's gone by the wayside in the case of progress, uh, you know, that, that needs to come through as far as online shopping and bigger retail outlets are concerned? Or or is the death of specialty retail stores something that hits you and hits you hard? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanic media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, we've got Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide. She's coming up right here, right after the break, talking about a lot of great shows that are either doing very well or doing not so well and could be, you know, at any moment on the cancellation line. She's going to be talking about shows that she's keen on as far as what's going on within the TV ratings world right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff 
always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. She is back again. She is the know-it-all when it comes to television ratings. She is from the fantabulous tvratingsguide.com. you got to check out today all the great stuff that they have on articles, reviews, news, and updates on the ratings world. Which shows are on the way out? Which shows are hot? And which shows are on the fence? They let you know on all that, whether it concerns cable, broadcast, or anything else that's out there. Even they cover the news itself. And because news shows and news programming is now so important to television viewing. But it's our good friend at tvratingsguide.com. It's Jessica Boggs. Jessica, how are you today? I am doing pretty good. One show I do want to talk about that is of major importance is The Walking Dead. I know that's a topic of conversation each and every season comes out. A lot of people are just tired of the series and just have had enough. I know when Negan first appeared last season and really was going to go one way or the other because of his polarizing character, and it looks like uh, ratings have declined since his character has appeared. They're now back, like I said, on the back end of this season, and episodes are continuing. Is that a continuing trend with declining ratings, or has it maybe steadied itself a bit or 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 is there is there you know something in change place or maybe actually might be going up before the season ends i mean some episodes would probably go up a bit but overall the trend it's not his friend and it's been going down every season and stuff at some point amc will probably have to figure out whether cost would be the overall factor in this decision despite the fact it's still the highest rated show on amc but it comes down to a cost factor. Yes, absolutely, because that is probably one of the most expensive shows to make on television today. Are there any shows on CBS that are really, really catching your eye, or the CW? It would be a miss if we did not talk about one of your favorite networks, the CW, as well. One thing that, that is on my best list for the CW is the with how consistent uh, the show is. I would have to say Supernatural. Currently, it's like the number two show on its network currently last year was like it's number four or five i'm guessing with the decline of the superhero shows aspect and it's managed to stay steady but the lowest rated shows that i've seen this year on the cw we got dynasty hooray crazy ex-girlfriend's no longer the lowest rated show on its network and that, and that brings a lot of joy to your heart i know that and a lot of the others at tvraceguided.com once again, I have Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She is here talking about all the great things going on in TV ratings land out there. You got to check out their site. Again, they have articles. They have reviews. They also have news and updates. Plus, they have original programming that they create themselves that you can actually see firsthand on their networks. We actually also repost as well on the Pop Culture Cosmos, but it appears first on the TVRatingsGuide.com. And Jessica, I want to know if you could go ahead and and actually just talk a little bit more about 
the two great shows that you and Rebecca do a, such a great job of writing on for your site, tvratingsguide.com. Well, we got Marietta, which is one of our top viewed shows on the network. It's on hiatus right now until April. But one show that we have right now that's continuing on, and I have an episode this Friday coming up. It's on network and episode nine. Basically, in the ninth episode of the season of network, we have like Charlie versus the world, though, and she... She gets into a huge fight with a couple actors involved with a canceled show. Although it's not even realistic, though, it's what happens. Well, I'll tell you what. Again, if you want to catch up with all the great things going on at com, check out the special shows that they have exclusively for that network that they write for. You can actually read the actual scripts that are on there. As you're reading it on the com, and it's great following the different episodes and and how they're panning out just like they would in the tv season that's marietta which is going to be on hiatus until april but got to check out all the back episodes that are available today there or also on our site but tvraiseguide.com is the first place you can get it and also as well another show like you said called network written by someone i know as well jessica boggs her great show is being written and produced every week, and it's also available right there on the TVRatingsGuide.com. You can read everything that's going on and catch up with that show as well. Jessica, I truly want to say thank you for being on the show today. I truly want to thank you. It's it's just been a great pleasure having you on. Oh, it's, wait. I, I didn't exactly forget it, but all right, we'll talk about it. One of the great things that TVRatingsGuide.com loves to talk about, including CW, obviously, from what we've inferred over the many episodes, and they love to touch on everything TV as well. But one of the, I guess, um, weak points for the TVRatingsGuide.com is Nashville. And <laughs> the show itself has done so many crazy things to the TVRatingsGuide.com, and if you check it out, they... They all seem to have an affinity and love. And over the, the almost couple years we've been doing this, Nashville always seems to be a topic of conversation. So, okay, Jessica, you got me this time. <laughs> Share us your thoughts on everything going on with Nashville. Okay. Basically, with CMT, with the move to CMT, it did very well in the first part of season five. And then ratings started dropping. And then with season six, CMT decided to end the series with season six because there is a transition to non-scripted programming as what we've seen with MTV. And John always complains about decline in quality and cult storylines or whatnot, that, which led to like a ratings drop to like a series low to a 0.09, although to rise for the mid-season finale with a 0.16. As with the ratings trend and stuff, I'm speaking from a ratings point of view, the trend is not its friend. The trend has not been its friend, indeed. But it, it was, a, like like you said, at one time, a cornerstone when it came over to CMT for their programming. Unfortunately, that's not the case any longer. And I think, like you said it best, when you were talking about The Walking Dead, the same thing goes for Nashville. I think it's just a matter of the, the cost being outweighed by the lack of ratings at this point in time. So is this the last time we're going to be talking about Nashville or do you think it will rear its head again at some point in time when we talk to you down the road? This is the last time. I don't think so. 
this will probably be the last time though hopefully on my end but it's probably not going to be the end for john Okay, fair enough indeed. That's Jonathan Dakota, one of the great writers of the TVRainsGuide.com. We'll have an in-memoriam show. We'll probably do that sometime down the road. But I'll tell you what, if the TVRainsGuide.com writers all get together and do a collaboration on a Nashville, the rise and fall of book, you know, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll go to Amazon and I'll buy one from you. So there you go. You got one sale from me. Once again, it is Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. you got to check out her great work, Rebecca Bunch's great work, Jonathan Dakota, Hunter Vaught, and every one of the great members that are out there in the TVRatingsGuide.com staff. you got to check out all their great articles, reviews, features, history, and all the other great things that are going on there. Jessica, as always, it's been a pleasure talking TV ratings with you, and I'm as always, got to come back on anytime you want to talk more about TV ratings. And, and even Nashville, too. Okay. okay. No, not Nashville. But what I, what I also do is the CW Renew Cancel Watch. And I posted the latest one today. And looking at Life Sentence's ratings. And, I mean, it premiered to preliminary point three, And then adjusted down to the finals, making it the lowest rated CW premiere of all time. I really do not think there has been a show in CW history in season that has premiered that low, but there have been shows that premiered in summer with the rating that low. And I have checked out your site on many occasions and seen the CW's ratings. That is saying something when it goes that low. Well, yeah, it's Colt premiered to like a 0.3 back in 2013 and then went to like a point two, moved to Friday and then got pulled from the schedule and aired its remaining episodes in the summer. And we got dynasty moving to Fridays, but it has a full season. So I'm watching to see if it gets its point one, which it probably may equal cancellation either way, but it has its like Riverdale and black lightning. We have a Netflix deal that's international us 24. That's, paying the bills right now for that show. It'll be interesting to see if that show can survive, meaning life sentence, even with the low ratings because it has the backing of Netflix internationally. It'd be interesting to see if that's going to be the case or, or if they're going to have to make some amenable differences to it or just cancel it outright altogether. Well, yeah, but dynasty is the one with the international deal. Life oh, sentence. I thought you meant I thought you meant life sentence. My, I'm sorry, my apologies. Yeah, life sentence does not. Life sentence comes from WB. Dynasty is fully produced by CBS. It doesn't sound like it's uh, very good news for life sentence. Indeed, it sounds like it's going to get a life sentence, all right, and it sounds like it's going to get a life sentence of cancellation at some point in the near future. Any last thoughts on the way out? No last thoughts with the other than the most of my best and worst from each network. CBS Thursday is my best. CBS Monday is the worst on the comedy side and the drama side. We still have CBS Friday doing well with winning its time slot. NBC, we still have This Is Us and NBC. It's clearly on the comedy side. AP Bio and on the drama side, we have Taken. Airs on Friday, premiered to a point five, still doing pretty low. And that's pretty much the best and worst. What I forgot with ABC is... ABC Friday is 
the worst on the ratings aspect. Uh, it's definitely some great insight. And not only for more quick information on what's going on in the TV ratings world, tvratingsguide.com. you got to check out today all the great stuff that they have on articles, reviews, news, and updates on the ratings world. Jessica, it's been great having you part of the show as always, including Nashville. But it's just always great to have you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thanks so much for sticking around and enjoying the program. And we just truly want to thank, as always, Rob McCallum from robmccallumfilms.com. And, of course, also as well, Jessica Boggs from tvraysguide.com. Josh, it was just announced that just before the awesome movie, The Avengers Infinity War, hits on the 27th, that selected, I think it's AMC Theaters, if I'm not mistaken, they are running, well, if you pay for it, a 31-hour Marvel Cinematic Universe marathon before the actual movie takes place to set you up if you really want the movie experience of a lifetime. So I ask you, Josh, you and I are both fans of the series. You and I are both big fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We pretty much talk about it every single week. Do you really want to buy a ticket and sit through 31 hours straight of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Would you even enjoy the Infinity War even after all that? No. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. I'm having a hard time just getting through all of the Marvel movies, just watching them sporadically up until Infinity War. And as often is the case with marathoning things, by the time I get to the one that I want to watch... I am slightly bored of it and I will go and watch it and I just don't even want to think about it because I'm so tired of it. I'll be like, all right, so this was the moment I've been waiting for. And then when the film's over, I don't want to think about uh, that franchise for at least another year. So no, I wouldn't sit there in a movie theater for 30 hours. One, I don't have that kind of time. And two, I go through and I watch these Marvel movies and there's some that I would just prefer not to watch. Like I'm glad that I've seen them, but I just prefer not to watch them again. Like Incredible Hulk, I could do without. And the problem with being in a movie theater is you can't skip. You you can't skip through things because you're like, this is monotonous. I don't need to see this. And you don't have a remote that lets you go to the next scene. Also, they would have to like, you know, adhere to their uh, uh, reserve seating policies because I can only imagine that like people just be walking in and out of that thing during the day. But no, I couldn't watch 30 hours of Marvel films. I hear you. It's it's true. And you're not going to enjoy it by the time you just, like you said, we want to get it over with and you're not going to end up actually enjoying the infinity war. You probably won't have the energy left to get psyched up for it. And you'll probably have to go to theaters to watch it again when you're a lot fresher. And speaking of fresher, a lot of people really won't smell too fresh after 31 hours sitting next to you. And those, oh, geez, if you've ever been to comic-con, you know that that's a fact. 
if you've ever been to the local health club and just walk down the aisle, you'll have felt that effect as well. The funk that be going around after 31 hours, my gosh, the first thing that they're going to have to do after each and every movie is just, you know, spread the Febreze all around to make sure that everybody, you know, gets a, gets a whiff of that and, and gets the idea that maybe they should have adhered to better hygiene before they stepped into a 31 hour marathon with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are your thoughts on the 31-hour marathon that AMC Movie Theaters is now offering right before Infinity War starts? Are you psyched for it? Did you buy tickets for it? Are you very interested in actually going through a 31-hour marathon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe before the actual movie takes place? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And, you know, you would just send, send your thoughts, but not the funk that Michael with sitting out 31 hours in a movie theater that he get the popcorn. Yeah, you 31 hours of, and your only source of food is hot dogs, maybe some chicken wings and some popcorn. I, I don't know, man, that's, that's, that's not living healthy, but. I hate to have to be the one cleaning the bathrooms that day. Oh my goodness gracious, you are right, you're right. I know someone who we talked to that has been on the show that does, and uh, I, I'm hoping he has that day off. Let's just put it that way. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Okay, auditions for the new Earth Station Who co-host. Take one. Go ahead. Hello, Stonehenge, who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe. But, bad news everyone, cause guess who? Ha, listen, you lot you're all whizzing about. It's really very distracting. Could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking? Not too shabby. Can you close this up? Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. You never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition? We'll get back to you. Next.
And we're back. Welcome to Topic Ocalypse. I'm your host, Josh Peterson, and I'm joined by fellow host, Brian Kane, PhD. Not a real PhD. Dan- that's a matter of opinion. Uh, Daniel Nietzsche. Nietzsche. And we're joined by first-time podcaster on the show, John Warwick. How's it, hello, hello. How, how's it been to be a part of this thing so uh, far? It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully I haven't screwed up your gig here. Nice. We call him Johnny Two-Bits. You screwed it Johnny all up. We're going to have to re-record. I, I like, um, I like- I like, I like Johnny Two Bits. Two Bits. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Two Bits. What's up, Johnny Two Bits? Yeah, yeah. All I'll right. Your shoes for so bits. on this episode, we're joined by Gerald Glassford. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, my friend. Great to have, uh, you know, great to be on the show, and and, and just appreciate all you guys uh, allowing me on to this week's podcast. What do you got for me, man? Hey, it's always nice having you on. We are talking video game to film adaptations. I know that this is a favorite oh, subject of you and I. I know we talk, you're rolling your eyes and your head, probably in different directions. Um, All right, so we are starting the Tomb Raider official trailer number two (laughs) right now. So if you want to to sync up with us in five, four, just hit play, three, nine, two, seven, twelve. Settling city shot. I think I'm going mad. Lara, your father's gone. At some point, we have to face up to who Million we are. Million dollar baby. <laughs> who we're meant to be. I think I know where my dad went. She is smoking. In the middle of the devil's sea. It will be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. Straight from the game. Is that it's where a big she learns how to fly? I, I think she develops the skill. Uh, seven years I've been on this island. Your Walter father, Goggins. He put me here. Now I see the light. Or he's the guy from Predators. Jumpsuit. The mm. prison suit. What do you know about my father? Laura. There was more to my life than boardrooms and business deals. Destiny's Child remix. There we go. Organization called Trinity. It's looking to start a global genocide. Your dad sure you had a bigger holiday. Had a knack for the unexpected. You must stop them, Lara. Promise me. Go! I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> Oh, face. Jeez. I wonder if that was meant to happen. I wonder. Like, a lot of this is, like, almost frame for frame from the video game. Yeah. Ladies first. Open the tube! I love that, though. Are they going to do the thing where, the, where she conveniently does not wear a bra in the wet scenes? That'd I mean, awesome. one can only hope. Ex Machina, though. Dude, that was a great movie. Are they going for, like, a Hunger Games thing here with a bow? Dude, it's Laura Croft, man. She's badass. I, feel, I, think she, I think she always had a bow. So that's mostly, like her. It's mostly the guns you saw on her. On a side in the video so game, she's always had a bow, but it hasn't been easy to use until the latest ones. Mm. Cool. All right, Gerald, you've seen the trailer for Tomb Raider, correct? Yes, I have. Okay, what are your thoughts on it? Well, let me ask everyone out there this: uh, either you know, 
also not only you guys, but everybody out there. If you had a dollar for every time you saw a trailer that started off with a city shot, how much money do you think you would have? Are we talking about just 2018 or all of film history? All of film history. I think I'd probably be a billionaire by about now because it seems like every trailer has to start off with some wide city shot going on. It's your setting. It's to let you know that it's in the modern world. That it's real life. And Nathan, just to answer your question, I am staring directly at you. Um, You know, we can Mortal Kombat or Mortal Kombat, but it always ends in fatality. (laughs) I just want to let you know. Yeah, Mortal Bay. Okay, continue, Gerald. Uh, Sorry. So, yeah, I think... The start is it's setting it in the real world. I did see this trailer when I went and saw 12 Strong, which I highly recommend to go see, by the way. Is it good? It's great. Wasn't there one before Star Wars? Was was it? Yeah, I I think. No, no, there wasn't. Because it came at the first trailer. It came out. Let it drop two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I want to say. Maybe. see it. So regardless, it's set in modern day. It sets the, you know, the wide city shot. And you've got, you know, Alicia Vikander. Looking gorgeous. Let me start with that. Well, that's sorry. We'll we get to that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, did you have have you guys, Gerald? You played the Tomb Raider reboot, correct? I did. What 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 did you think of that compared to the old uh, PlayStation Laura Croft games? I played both, and I enjoyed. Obviously, well, it's almost an unfair comparison because you're talking about different technology, and I know a lot of people have this charm, uh, you know, when they go and they talk and they they fantasize and they remember about the games that they used to play in the '80s and '90s and 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 early 2000 era, where you didn't have the type of technology that you do now. But uh, I enjoyed. Thoroughly, as I was telling you the other day, Josh, the fact of what you know, you didn't have to go through it as a as a shooter. You could use other weapons. You could figure out other ways to dispose of your enemies. Just it was, and it told a pretty good story on top of that. And and basically, the voice acting on it really, especially with Laura Croft herself, really made it even that much more special. Right, like that was a huge thing for me. And I, I you know, we discussed this on the uh, Super BS show, like why. They wouldn't have the voice actor of Laura Croft play uh, Laura Croft in the movie. I get that she's you know she's a little bit older than Alicia Vikander, but no, it was it was a good game and actually had a good story. And it was um, you know I, I guess I would call it like the uh, female version of Uncharted. Um, well, that's yeah, that's it's basically in that 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 realm. I think that's one reason why the Laura Croft Tomb Raiders got rebooted was the success of uncharted in well 2007 and you know when uncharted 2 came out to such great acclaim uh that's when the idea was put out by crystal dynamics to go ahead and reboot that you know that franchise because they saw the great success that can come out of making an a great adventure game right so do you do you see it reaching the kind of success that uncharted has as a as a video game before we jump into the movie here do you do you see it reaching that because i know that there's a lot of hype going on this year around the possible announcement of a game called shadow of the tomb raider well i can tell you this it it has in my opinion seemed it's seen a lot of its success, in my opinion. It sold each copy, each iteration so far. There's two iterations that have been out as far as the rebooting format have sold within that five to ten million range. But I remember the president of Square Enix saying uh, a couple years back, he was quoted as saying that 
the Hitman and also Tomb Raider franchises that have been rebooted were not seeing the amount of sales that they wanted it to. And I know that they had targeted Tomb Raider, the reboot, for around 7, 8 million copies at that time. So I'm thinking to myself, how much do you really want or how much is it going to take to, to see a profit on that game? And they're rebooting it and, you know, like you mentioned, may even be bringing out a third iteration. So obviously it's seen some kind of success the Uncharted series, which announced last year, I believe it's gone over 35 million copies sold, or actually closing in on 50 as well. So um, it, that has seen a great deal of success as well. So I, I don't know. It's it, They've both been very successful franchises. Uncharted has, has made its own path, and it's going to go dark for now, for at least the short term. So now's the time for people to really get into a great Tomb Raider game if they haven't already. And the funny thing about that is that Fans have been clamoring for an Uncharted movie for years, but now we're getting a an actual a uh, serious Tomb Raider movie before an Uncharted movie. And Uncharted at the moment seems to be the more popular franchise. When does Crash well, Bandicoot you, come out? Well, you and I both have known. <laughs> I'm sorry, real quick. You and I both know that it has been in development hell at Sony with several different people that have been attached to it, several different stars, several different directors, several different writers attached to it. Whether or not it's still going to come to fruition, I don't know. I know the last one that was talked about was Tom Holland being attached to it at the present time. So, but yeah, go ahead. I apologize. Um, no, you're fine. No, that's cool. Um, okay, yeah, so I want to ask you guys: video game to film adaptations. You guys seen any? Any Street history Fighter? With that? Street Fighter is uh, one. You guys Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is another. Resident Evil. You guys. We can get out of the '90s though. I loved Mortal <laughs> Kombat, man. I watched that on Netflix. I, a, I like bought a year ago and got excited. Like five back when I was working at Best Buy, I bought Buy? Mortal Kombat on Sorry. Blu-ray and I tried to watch it and I got like maybe 20 minutes into it. I'm like, Dude, I can't do this. What? The claymation is perfect. Claymation. Bro. What's the guy with Goro. the four arms? Goro. That was amazingly horrible. Goro, your soul is mine. What was that Shao Kahn? Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung. So a game like that. The Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Until recently, uh, with like the reboot where they had a story going on, those were just fighting games. So there was no real story going on. Like it was the, just like the Chun Li movie, Chun right. Li Origins. There was, there was. was nothing there. It was just the action. So you are now developing a story which makes people interested. Okay, what is the backstory for Goro, or what is the backstory for Johnny, Chun- Cage. Johnny Cage, whatever it is, Sonya, whatever. Um, I feel like. When you start to get movies to like Assassin's Creed, Tomb Raider, Hitman. There's already a storyline. There's already a storyline and you're playing the game for 10, 12, however long the campaign is. You're getting way more of a story, way more in-depth character development out of that experience. And you're immersed in it. Then you're going to get in a two hour, you know, mid-budget blockbuster movie. Like Doom. Like Doom. Oh, The Rock. My the one thing I remember more than anything in that movie was when the guy gets uh they said that half of them went into a portal or something. They're like, What does that mean? Well it means his upper half ended up here and his and his ass ended up on the other side of the universe. <laughs> That's kinda of funny. Um Gerald, do you have any favorite video game to film adaptations? I don't know if there's any favorite. I've seen quite a few. I mean, it's almost like a default because, uh, as I've written about before in an article uh, for on our site, Josh, popculturegospels.wordpress.com, I've written that there's been actual no 
real good representation of uh, video games adapted to film. I mean, mm-hmm. Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat from the 90s, those are those are quirky, fun popcorn flicks, but they don't really have any creative substance. Uh, I know, Josh, you like the Assassin's Creed, which was savaged by critics, but you actually, when you wrote your review, you actually thought very highly of it. I personally have never seen in my lifetime a great or or even a very good video game adaptation. Uh, any of the Resident Evils or anything you pretty much want to list out right now. The Tomb Raiders before a- anything. And so I'm, I'm still waiting and I'm still hoping that I will see in my lifetime a great adaptation. I am a huge fan of the Uncharted series and I'm hoping uh, if it's not going to be this upcoming Tomb Raider, which I will see, that it will be something like that from there. Gerald, do you think it's a problem where there's a movie limit to what you can do versus a mission you might play in a campaign of a video game can be as long as a movie, if not longer? So do you think a video game adaptation would work better in a series where you could well, play that's, out? That's an actually excellent point. Yeah, if it did it more like in a, like in a Netflix series let's right. say, or an anthology or something right. of that nature where it extends the actual uh, playing field, so to speak, speak. And it's very hard to tell these 10, 15, 20, 40 hour stories that you play, like Final Fantasy VII. Could you actually really tell that within a two hour time frame? Four discs. That would be really, and and do it well, that would be really hard to do. So I think Hollywood just has not been able to understand the video game concepts. They just see it on the surface, but they don't really investigate what makes these games special and how can we actually translate it well into the screen. But I like your idea of maybe putting it into a television style well, format and making it for a longer series adaptation. They, Josh, get on they that. They did that too with um, Mortal Kombat Legacy. You remember that? Oh, yeah. It was the. Um, it was online, wasn't it? It was online, but the guy who was was it Artie Artie Shanker that made that? Was that him? I believe so. Yeah, but I remember that 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 was that you know it was going through and it was kind of like uh, going through the internet and people were really getting a, a very high high marks for it. It was because it was not only like um, I don't know, like visceral. It had it had a good story. It was put together well. The right, um, you know, it had decent cinematography. Was good excellent cinematography, but it it wasn't like because Mortal Kombat revolved mostly around like big fight scenes and you had to save a princess and the the you know the world was on the line and stuff like that. I think you're thinking of Smash Bros, bro. <laughs> I don't no, think you no, saved no. a princess Mario in Mortal 64. Kombat. No, princess yeah, Peach. Princess uh what's her name? In Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Sonya. Princess Sonya, was that her her name? Oh no, no that no. was the first Princess um, uh Katana. Katana mm, was her name. Right. And you were trying to sa- you're trying to save her or something, right? That was you were uh you played She was one. Rig Biggs, I think his name was with the no, that's the guy from Final Fantasy VII. See, you guys are getting my mythology all mixed we up. We are, here. <laughs> or you're just getting old. That's that's entirely possible. You've made your own bed, sir. Yeah. Damn um, mid twenties. No, but yeah, I did really like the Assassin's Creed movie, and I thought that it was it was well written, and the the visuals were really good. But you know, on that point, like I can see, I at the same time I see why people didn't like it because it had they were uh, it was written from the assumption that you have watched or played the games, so like they. They tried. They took what seven, eight now, eight, nine maybe games of uh, mythology and tried to shove it all into like a ten minute section inside this movie. But, well, I also say this is that they're also taking from a source material that can't even get its own story straight when it comes to the animus and all that. When it comes to that part of the series as well, right? Correct. So you know, and it was just they. I think it was a movie that was made more for the fans than anything else. And Michael Fassbender did a great job with it. 
you know, it's just sad that the thing is, I want to ask you guys, do you think that video game to film adaptations have a have an unfair disadvantage because people want to want them to be bad? They want to go in being able to walk out and like talk with their friends about how bad it was, how how it didn't really relate to the game. I know a lot of people had strong feelings for World of Warcraft or Warcraft or whatever, but, um, you know, the fans, some of the fans really liked it. Some of the fans hated it, but critics in general just did not like I th- it. I think it depends on the genre of game. Like if you go into Street Fighter thinking it's going to be the world, it's going to win every single Academy Award, you're crazy. But it was what it was. And with Mortal Kombat, you know, for when it came out, they were just running off the hype of it that especially the Mortal Kombat one with everyone, you know, having to take the blood off because of Sega. I just think that you go into that just to just for fight scenes, not for a story. See, and I and I think that you kind of touched upon that as the hype, right? You've right. got these fans that are expecting what have you, uh you know, so high and then all of a sudden they go and see it and it doesn't live up to their expectation. So I think that definitely plays a role in it. Now when was the last Laura last Tomb Raider game released? Uh, well, they two years ago they rebooted the franchise. So, like the Gerald, when was Rise of the Tomb? Uh, the definitive edition came out when? For Rise of the Tomb Raider, well, the that one came bo- out. The, well, the the actual, I think, Rise of the Tomb Raider game, um, that which was a sequel, came out in twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. and then the uh, definitive edition came out, I think, later that year or this uh, last year. I can let oh, me check on that while that, you're doing that. That's right. I remember yeah. the but, whole thing from when they were showing the differences in the the graphics, the, the graphics mm-hmm. between Tomb Raider and Little Crofts. Gotcha. Now, I want to I want to ask as a fan of you know these video games, and you've invested you know you've invested hours into playing the campaigns, especially Assassin's Creed, which has you know Josh, like you said, eight games in each campaign. You're spending at least 10, 15 hours in the oh, game. Long, yeah. So you're spending over over 150 200 hours if not more of your personal time in this but you're going to a movie and they're going to condense it into two hours like i don't understand what a video game fan would expect from that are they expecting the same greatness that they got in that 100 plus hours in a two-hour movie that no that's a good point because i think with assassin's creed though what drew a lot of gamers into it was that it was actually took place in the same universe as the games and it kind of linked the two together in assassin's creed origins there's a part where you come out of the Animus and you're in modern times and you you play this girl and you go into if you go into a computer, it actually ties Assassin's Creed Origins into the Assassin's Creed movie as well as a couple other uh, Ubisoft games. Hmm. Isn't it Ubisoft? Gerald, what is the verdict on that? Is it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? I know we talk about this a lot. I think it's Ubisoft. I don't know. Just, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. Yeah. You know, it's just Uranus really... versus Uranus. Uh, like, you know, it's just it, one of those where it could be either one. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> Uranus. You can call them whatever they want, you know, right. whatever you want. So I think as long as you're buying everything, and you, even if you're buying a uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, which comes out buggier than, than all everything, I know everybody was going up in arms about that, but. Um, it did uh, when Rise of Tomb Raider came out in November 2015. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. But um, you know, it, I, maybe I'm look, not looking this objectively because I did actually, back in my limited time working in Hollywood, did work on, unfortunately, uh, on the Double Dragon film. So oh, my God. That, I forgot oh. about that. I totally forgot there was a movie about okay, that. No, go on. I want to hear the story now. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I just like I said, I worked in part with the uh, special effects team, uh, just, just back end, just dealing with a lot of film recording and whatnot at the back end. So I do get a credit. You'll see my credit if you stay that long and watch the movie. But yeah, it just, 
you, you know, we, we could see in the money that was not being put in there and it was just, it wasn't the, the most well-financed movie and, and see exactly what they wanted to do with the characters and, and especially Robert Patrick's character, which was really, really, really badly done. Um, and bad, you know, just the whole performance in and of itself with Scott Fox, Alyssa Milano and whatnot, it just, they weren't given much to do and it just really was cartoonish from beginning to end. But I think that leads into a bigger issue. Like I said, when I wrote a piece back on our site was that, you know, there's, there's, uh, even if they, how much they, we've talked about this before, they've committed over a hundred million dollars to, to the Assassin's Creed movie. They weren't, with all due respect, Josh, if you're committing a hundred million dollars to, to a movie, you're not doing it just for the fans. You're doing it because you want to turn a profit. And it just, I don't think whether they're putting a hundred million dollars or $10 million into a video game adaptation, that they're really understanding what makes these video games special and really understanding how to translate it. The people who are writing the screenplays, who are writing the scripts, the people who are directing it, I don't think they're actually either playing or understanding what the games are all about before they actually translate it onto the screen. And until you have that combination, I'm not going to say it's impossible what we talked about earlier where games uh, adapted into movies can't coexist, uh, even though actually that's what I titled my article, because uh, I know we talked about earlier how they need to be elongated into maybe a television format. There is a possibility you can take it with and, and make a good video game story within a two-hour period, but it has to be very tricky, and it has to be done by people who understand what the game is all about. And until you have that, you're not going to get yourself a truly well-received video game adaptation. Because my, my thing on that is if you do it just, you know, quote-unquote, for the game players, you're not really looking at trying to adapt it enough to where people that don't play the games know what's going on. So well, that's what I've always said to when we talk on a pop culture cosmos, a, a film isn't truly successful. A console isn't truly successful until a, a TV show isn't truly ex successful until it reaches out beyond the niche crowd right. and into a general audience. That's when you have a hit product, whether it's a film console or TV show. And, and you know, whether or not you're, you're, devoting a hundred million dollars or 10 million you still will not have a hit on your hands until it reaches that general audience and general audiences aren't usually able to go ahead and dissect the assassin's creed uncharted or whatever series to that detail that gamers do so they have to have something put on the screen that's easier for them to follow if that's the case you need to come up with a a understanding of that game that says hey this would be okay to translate to a larger, broader audience on the silver screen. I, I feel like Tomb Raider is actually the right movie for that, though. You mean I, Mario Brothers wasn't? Mario <laughs> Brothers, yeah, jeez. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> Sorry. That's actually, do you guys think another that... Another good one. I just popped my head like, oh yeah, there was one of those. Now that Super Mario Odyssey is out and it's doing so well, do you think they'll ever try to go back and make a movie no, out God, of I hope Mario? Not. No. <laughs> well, as long as you don't have Ui Bowl directing it <laughs> and john john Leguizamo, yeah yes um okay so let's bring this back around real quick with tomb raider do you think that it's going to be the movie that breaks the mold and do you think that they if they didn't have such a large amount of faith in it that they wouldn't have got an actress as high calibered as alicia vikander is she more high caliber than 
Angelina Jolie was in the well, originals. Uh, Alicia Vikander right now, like she has, you know, she has several award nominations. I think. But Ange- I think what he's saying is Angelina Jolie back then was yeah, as big, big, if not bigger, than Alicia right. Vikander is now. I, yeah, I guess. I, I but, put them I mean, on parallel. I would put them at parallel. They're, they're yeah. both their stars were rising at this point in time. Mm-hmm. They yeah. obviously Angelina Jolie had not hit her peak yet, but. I think they both were in the fact that they were both rising at that time. Angelina Jolie, I believe, Rise had been nominated Raider. by that time as well for Girl uh, Interrupted. For Girl Interrupted, yeah. That time frame wrong. But no, no, you're right. Um, Brad but, Pitt might be available now. Alicia, <laughs> get on that. <laughs> um, she's married to Michael Fassbender, actually. Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Oh, lose the zero, get with the hero. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, no, it Brandy. just seems like now we're in a time though when like well, that's funny that you say that that uh, Laura Croft is married to who. Michael Fassbender. Who starred as? In Assassin's Creed. Okay, there you go. It all goes back around. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. But do you guys think that now we're in a time when, uh, you know, people take movies uh, a lot more seriously. They want to do the dark thing like like Warner Brothers does. But they also like we're in a time when like female driven movies are very important to people like look at the success of Wonder Woman. So do you think that they're hoping that this is going to be the movie that finally breaks that mold? I don't know if it's going to break it. It'll probably crack into it. It'll make a good dent in it just based on from what I've seen because I haven't played Tomb Raiders. But just seeing I know I saw a preview somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but it looks interesting enough. You know, it's like it's not, you know video game-esque to me it's not like okay you need to know all of this stuff in order to understand what's going on and it gives you a nice lead into it for you as for you as someone who hasn't played the video game before do you feel like a video game movie is intimidating because you have to know all this information to go into the movie i don't think so but like with um assassin's creed when i started when i saw the first preview i'm like okay it was kind of interesting but i'm like then i felt like i was over my head because then it was like i haven't spent hours upon hours even with like warcraft and stuff like that i didn't even i was like i can't i don't know the quote-unquote history the backstory of it all right the couple of seconds that i saw it definitely looked interesting not that we had audio but uh <laughs> nevertheless and it didn't no, start, no we have it, audio it's coming in post and didn't, yeah. <laughs> even though it didn't say in a world where in a world um but yeah, no, that's just, it's the kind of movie that I think more people can relate to. Like Indiana Jones was a big thing. This is basically Indiana Jones and it's an origin story. So you don't really have to worry about like having played the games or where the character's been. You can just kind of jump into it and enjoy it. And I feel like that's something that is definitely working in the movie's favor. It, it's yeah. definitely broadening the base yeah. of yep. the fans for sure. Right. Hey, for you guys. Well, oh, go ahead, Gerald. Sorry. I'll say this as well. I, I'm hoping it will do well, and I hope it will be that one that transforms the video game adaptation into a higher realm. I'm hoping it'll be received critically. I will say it is at a point where it can make true money at the box office. It's coming out March 16th. You got to remember uh, the pretty much most of the movies that have come out a month before, right around the Valentine's Day uh, weekend and whatnot. You've got Black Panther, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Uh, it, you know those movies will have been out for weeks at by that point in time, and it's just a week before Pacific Rim Uprising hits. So it has a week itself by itself, pretty much as the premier movie of March, and it could take that title as the biggest movie make, uh, that makes money in the month of March, if it is something that audiences will latch onto. And I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that's the case because obviously from the trailers, they do 
resemble quite a bit what people have have really liked from the reboot from Tomb Raider. It's a busy month too with Fifty Shades of Grey. I think we might all have our hands tied. You guys see what I did there? Our hands full. So Uh, I'll be be tied up. I can't go see. (laughs) So I want to ask you guys. So what makes a good film versus a good video game we've got things like cinematography the way the shots look you've got the soundtrack it's got to be good the story's got to be good but so it seems like for a video game and a movie those are the same thing so how could that adaptation not be so simple but is there something i'm missing like is it the depth of stories the only thing i can think of that's really the difference between what makes a good film and what makes a good video game i think finding the balance between raising up those questions of what's going on here and being able to close out enough of it to where the viewer is actually satisfied. Whereas, you know, a video game, you can just go as far as the rabbit hole goes and right. just keep going and going. And right. Details. No, that's, that's a great so. point. Cause you know, you know, to add on to that time is an important factor. Like you, you invest like a game like Tomb Raider, you know, you invest uh, anywhere from eight to, you know, 20, 30 hours into this campaign. And that allows you, that's why I think video games is such a great medium for storytelling is that you can kind of elaborate more than you could with a movie. But that is a disadvantage that films have over video games is the fact that you have that time to tell that story. You have that time to keep people hooked and you have that time to uh, kind of draw your audience. And whereas a movie, you're kind of limited to what, two and a half hours usually. Well, and then the other thing with the limitation of the two and a half hours, you know, you only have X amount of budget for your first film. Right. And say you have more story that you want to share, but you it really depends on how this movie does at the box right. office, right? So you, it's a make it or break it point with that first movie. Yeah, no, and, exactly. And you might be able to come up with that tri- that awesome bang up trilogy that you know everyone must go see. You got to shoot it like That's Tommy Wiseau, yeah. big Hollywood movie. There you go. <laughs> wasn't wasn't there and, a movie? Uh, two two and a half hours? Even in a lot of cases, you know, see the Last Jedi and what. You know, know, Josh and I thought was the best movie last year, Blade Runner 2049. Those movies were criticized, both of them, for being too long because they were two and a half hours to two and a half, two two hours, two and a half hours to two hours and 45 minutes. So, and those were, you know, depending on who you talk to, beloved uh, movies. So, uh, some maybe, maybe, or maybe not. But um, they were awesome. Blade I, I, Runner I know, was just, fantastic. There is a, a hard way to go ahead and translate that ten to twenty hour experience in a two hour format. So it's almost like you're getting a highlight uh, or the best of or what they think is the best of in regards to that video game. So I think maybe just having the characters in maybe a possibly a different uh, story almost would probably be more. Uh, you know, uh, uh, more more acceptable to an audience than maybe just trying to shoehorn in the same story that you played when you were, you know, playing it on the PlayStation or Xbox. So kind of like what they're trying to do with Rampage that's coming out later with The Rock. Kind of, but then again, Rampage would not be the movie I would want. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just saying, but you know, like I remember that in the arcade. Yeah, no, The Rock. But that is a that is a, that is actually what I'm talking about. You know, you, you bring elements of the game, but you put it in a totally different. Uh, story and so if it does work then you know that probably would be the reason why and who knows with with the rock being so hot now by you know with jumanji and all that that he just might be able to pull it off if he can do that 
then then I, I will be extremely impressed. Did, did people actually go and watch that movie? I'm just what? curious. Jumanji? Jumanji. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's everyone very it. well at yeah, the box office. Yeah, it's doing really well. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. Apparently there's a lot no, of I mean, jokes. I, I guess I, would, I live under a rock. I, 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 I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> see what he did there? The Rock. Oh. <laughs> I don't even. Well, did you mean to do that? $700 million worldwide. Actually, I thought it's a pretty good popcorn flick. It's pretty fun to watch, so. Kevin Hart's got it going. He does it right. He, uh, he, Jack Black, he, he's I guess. Usually he, really funny. He is yeah. funny. I guess Jack he Black is. did really like and good portraying a sixteen year old girl. Like I can see that. Like his acting yes. and everything. They said that he he just amazing. They thought he was one. Yeah, that's he walked around and talked like it. He, like, he was always in character on set. Like Hopefully, he would yeah. never so, go into being Jack Black. You know? The next Daniel Day Lewis. I'm telling you, man. Pick of Destiny, of most <laughs> underrated movie of all time. I love that flick so much. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we're going to wrap this topic up. Gerald, you want to give us a, a, a plug for Pop Culture Cosmos? Show us how it's done. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, I'm going to let that slide. <laughs> Josh does host the Pop Culture Cosmos in the PCC Multiverse with me. Uh, you can find our shows. If you want to listen to the live aired or streaming live version of it, can check us out on the podcast radio network every monday night 7 30 p.m pacific 10 30 p.m eastern and friday 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific you can also check us out on croc radio at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific sunday nights on the good talk radio station 9 to 11 p.m arizona time the western digital broadcasting network that's tuesdays and thursdays uh, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, plus Apple Podcasts and over a dozen downloading networks. And if you do download our podcast, we always throw in something extra for you at the end of the Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse. It could be something from Humanica Media, Rob McCallum Films, could be extra stuff that Josh and I talked about. But we always throw in a bonus there if you subscribe and download to our podcast. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Topic Eclipse. You can find us on Brian Kane PhD, all social media sites: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All those. You can also send us an email at topicocalypse at gmail dot com. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean dot com, Stitcher, Google Play, and all other podcast downloading sites. All of them. We are all over the interwebs. More of us. More yes. of us everywhere, every day, Take all it. the time. And we also have a Patreon page. You can donate to us at patreon.com slash topicocalypse. Um, you know, maybe one day we'll learn how to spell that so we can better direct you there. Um, that was exactly my question. <laughs> You're the one that came up Try with spelling humanican. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm I, terrible at spelling. I tried. I always miss an N. Because <laughs> it's two N's, right? There, it's two N's. I thought it had it. I think it's supposed to be. Clarification. Yeah. Technically, I think it's supposed to be two M's if I were to spell it correctly, but. Might be why I, I think don't. there's a. There. We could have a spelling be. contest. A little, little topic apocalypse spelling bee. Spelling bee. Nicken. Naked. Well, that's the great thing about technology today. Once you type it in right first, you, it will always remember it when you just type it up in again. That so. is true. That's, no, that's right. That's true. It remembers auto spell and all that good stuff. All I have to do is put T O. It's like I can say, I'm going to, and it says, I'm going topic apocalypse. Oh, thank you, Siri. All right, guys. Well, this was topic apocalypse. We'll. Catch you on the flip side. Thank you, Gerald. Hey, thanks, Gerald. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, Josh Peterson here. This episode of Topic Apocalypse is brought to you by the Pop Culture Cosmos. Do you know what I love discussing more than poop knives? Pop culture. 
And before the Big Bang Theory planted itself on the butthole of pop culture by filling our subculture with crap, I would love I loved going to Comic Con and talking about movies and video games. And thanks to the Pop Culture Cosmos, my love of all things nerd is rekindled. You can catch the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast on the podcast radio network every Monday night at 10.30 p.m. EST and 7.30 p.m. PST. And the Pop Culture Multiverse show every Friday night at 7 EST and 4 PST. 